0: good morning north greenville university it's always a joy for me and a special honor to have the opportunity to share in chapel with our student body i'm genuinely grateful for this privilege i hope you'll allow god to speak to you through this time we share together i know doing this video in this virtual environment is different from our normal chapel uh, series in the way that we normally do it. But I'm looking forward to sharing with you today and I hope you'll listen to what God's Word has to say to us and what God's Spirit may be speaking to your life about. In a world where the Bible and the notion of God as Creator is largely rejected and where science has become in many ways a faith belief system with its tenets and ever-changing conclusions and where Christianity has been regulated by the enemy to be destroyed rather than life-giving truth. Does creation matter? Uh, Creation is an important issue and I want to share with you about that this morning. Uh, As we look at creation and we look at these various different ways of examining truth and determining what truth is, worldview is really at the center and the heart of all that's going on in this discussion. And many people in our world have colliding worldviews, worldviews that do not agree with each other and really cannot coexist as being equally true. Charles Colson and Nancy Percy wrote a book in 1999 titled How Now Shall We Live? That book is more relevant today than when they penned it. Uh, They talk in the beginning about worldview. And worldview, to think about it in a simple way, is the, the worldview is the lens through which we look at the world and make sense of the environment that we live in. So it's like these glasses. It's the lens through which we look and interpret the world. Uh, Ronald Nash, a philosopher, says worldview is a set of beliefs about the most important issues in life. It's a conceptual framework by which we interpret and judge reality. Uh, Let's take the worldview of naturalism. In that worldview, there is no God or created order. Everything just happened naturally. Therefore, people are accountable for no one. You see, if you remove God from the equation, then we're really accountable to no one. Human reason is the sovereign deity for many people and the final authority in life. That is a dangerous worldview in that human opinion changes quite often and the pendulum swings. So can we even know truth? Does real truth exist? For those of us who are believers, the Bible provides the real truth that we can look at. It's an objective standard that's outside of ourselves. It's not subjective like personal opinion. And the Bible speaks truth into our lives. Now, Colson and Piercy go on to address four important questions that they call the big questions of life. And you might can make arguments for other big questions in life, but these are certainly four important ones. The first question they raise is, where did I come from and who am I? This question addresses origins and what it means to be human and defines a person's purpose for life. Creation addresses these issues from a biblical worldview. The second question that Colson and Piercy ask is what has gone wrong with the world? All you have to do is read news articles, look through the internet, uh, and you'll find that there's a lot of things that are going wrong in our world. We think right now about all the things that are happening in Afghanistan, uh, the concern about the Taliban, The way, uh, at least by some reports, people are being murdered there. Uh, You look at what's going on uh, in our own nation with so many issues, including COVID-19. It's been politicized. Uh, Medical opinion disagrees with each other. And yet, uh, we're basically driven to fully accept one view and totally reject uh, every other view by whoever puts the views out there. And so it all gets very complex. A a third question, uh, uh, while we see what's gone wrong with the world and what what really has gone wrong with the world back with the second question is that uh, we find that with the first humans, they came to a point of rebellion and rejection of God's goodness and the bountiful blessings that he gave them in creation to enjoy in favor of doing things their way. And because of that, we went through what we call the fall. We live in a broken and fallen world, and we see that. And the broken and fallen world has broken and fallen people. And many of us come to the university, even a Christian university like ours, with a lot of baggage. We're we're broken. And we need redemption. We need to be fixed. We need to be healed in a way that only our God, the creator, the one who made us, can do. The third question, Colson and Pierce, he asked, is what can be done to fix the world? Well, God in his wisdom provided redemption through Jesus Christ. He took our place in his body on the cross, died for our sins so that we could re- com- uh, confess and repent of our sins and turn away from them and turn to God and experience this new life, experience this abundant life, this life that lasts forever. God made the one Christ who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. The great exchange, uh, what uh, an offer God has given us. And then the fourth question they raise is how now shall we live? In light of these, the answering the first three questions, how now shall we live? Uh, God restores Himself to humanity through redemption. And as the redeemed, those of us who know Christ, Believers are to live lives reflecting what God is like to a fallen world. Uh, this is a very interesting book. I do recommend it to you if you have an opportunity to read it sometime. But it addresses these four questions and they're important for us. And, but it all begins with creation. I really wish I had the time and the opportunity to share with you about all four of these questions and to try to answer them. But we're gonna look at just the first one today. Does creation matter? in? The Book of Beginnings, Genesis. God is resplendent. Uh, and he opened uh, He is the resplendent opening of both the Hebrew Bible and the Christian scriptures. The scriptures introduce God the Creator and humanity, the creatures He made in His image in these first two chapters of Genesis. God Pre existed before creation came to be. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around the eternality of God and what that means, but God has always been, and He will always be. There's never been a time when God did not exist, and there will never be a time when God uh, ceases to exist. Uh, he, he exists in uh, all history looking backward, and He exists in all history looking forward. He created the world out of nothing. I mean, he is God. Uh, He made everything that we have. This ex nihilo idea that God created the world out of nothing is important for us to understand. He brought the world into being by the power of His Word. When God said, let there be light, there was light. Let's look at what the scriptures say in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, that's generally on page one in most every Bible. It's not hard to find. But Genesis chapter one, in the beginning. Elohim uh, That's the Hebrew uh, for the Genesis chapter one, verse one. Uh, it's the only he- verse I ever committed to memory in Hebrew. But this is a key verse. In the beginning, in whatever we call the beginning of time in history, God And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day of creation. Richard Davison presents an argument that Genesis one through three is set apart from the rest of scriptures as a prologue to all that will follow in the biblical text. John Rankin summarizes the growing conviction among some biblical scholars uh, about whether one is an evangelical or a liberal It is clear that Genesis 1 through 3 is the interpretive foundation for all of scriptures. This is why creation matters. Uh, God has provided for us His Word. And in the beginning, He created all that is. He created the heavens and the earth. Now, it's important for us as we think about creation to recognize First of all, that God is the creator. You see, naturalism, the uh, things like the Big Bang Theory, offer no explanation of the how or why people came into existence. In fact, uh, some will argue that they're just an accident of birth. But God has always had a plan, a purpose for everyone that he created. So it's important for us to understand that God created us. Now we may ask, who is this God? Uh, Moses raised that question in Exodus chapter uh, chapter 3 and and chapter 4 when he met God there at the burning bush. He saw this bush that was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. That's what Scripture says. I've never seen anything burn like that. So like Moses, I would have gone over to check it out. The voice of God spoke to him and said, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. And he told Moses he wanted to go back to the people of Israel and Egypt and lead them out from Pharaoh's captivity there. Uh, and Moses asked God, when I go, who should I say sent me? And God responded by saying that you should tell them I am who I am. He is the one who has sent me. Douglas Stewart in his commentary on Exodus states that I am means I cause to be. So God is the first cause. He created all things. He is both the creator and sustainer of all that is. God is active and present in His creation. And He is the Lord of history. Stewart translates the name of God to Moses in this passage is I, caused, is I caused to be because I caused to be. God does whatever he chooses, and he is the active agent, the one that makes things happen. Uh, the God who causes to be spoke the world into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. It's interesting that our Lord is so sovereign, so powerful, that no one can resist what his voice tells them to do. That God is the one who made the world and everything in it and he spoke it into existence. And what he has desired happens. So we not only see that God is the one who created us, we see in this text that we are created in the image of God. Let's look a little further down and, and read that portion of the text, beginning in verse 26 of Genesis 1. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, and over the livestock and over the er- all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In, in the image of God, he created him, Male and female, he created them. So what does it mean to be created in the image of God? Does that mean God looks like me or God looks like you? Uh, That's not what it's talking about in being created in the image of God. We have a special relationship with God and humanity alone has the ability to reflect to the broken and fallen world that we live in, what God is like. That's what he's called his church to be. His church should be those people who love God and make him known to other people by reflecting his love, his character, and everything his word has called us to be. So God created man in his own image. Now this is important for an issue that's going on in our culture and in our world uh, that we think about. We think about racism. God created people in His image. And by the way, race is often considered a social construct. And the creation account talks about only one race of people. It talks about the human race. And so all people, regardless of their socioeconomic background, regardless of their culture, their ethnicity, uh, whatever they've gone through in life, God created everyone equally with dignity and worth, and we too need to treat everyone equally with dignity and work. However, to replace one form of racism with another form of racism is never a noble or godly endeavor. Uh, we see some of this happening in our culture. When the death of George Floyd happened and all the emotions that followed, our culture culture created an environment where people gave money to support people and organizations, many of whom played on the passions of Floyd's tragic death to turn considerable profits for which there was no accountability. One of these organizations even stated firmly in their purpose statement that was available on the internet, they've since removed this clause, but they said that one of their goals is to destroy the nuclear family. This is the family where there's a man and a woman committed together for life and have children and raise them. Uh, The the basic basic unit of society that we find recorded in scriptures in the creation account. Uh, People became millionaires using well-intended donations of givers who believed they were doing the right thing. While white privilege is a reality in our culture and no one's denying it and it is sinful and it is wrong, so are many other kinds of privileges that are being ignored. The whole notion of critical race theory, uh, it's difficult to wrap our minds around because it's it's nuanced and defined in different ways by different people. Uh, Many of the beneficiaries of this uh, critical race theory view are ironically white supremacists by their own definitions and have gained a great deal of wealth and notoriety from their writings, beliefs, and training. If there's any data that shows them giving sacrificially to end the evils they write about and talk about and teach about, uh, there's no evidence of this of which I'm aware. Uh, I'm not privy to that data, at least. Personal opinion is far too unreliable to offer eternal answers. The Bible only addresses one race in the creation account, the human race. If the Bible is true and reliable, as I believe it is, it was never intended for any race to claim superiority over other races. We are all equally created in the image of God. And yes, creation matters, and it speaks to the issue of racism. So how are Christians to respond in the midst of a culture that's so wrapped up in these racial views? We're to respond with a love and dignity that reflects what our Creator is like. We're to stand for principles that brings redemption and healing and real transformation to our world through the person of Christ. And we need to work for biblical justice issues in ways that impact our world, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God. Those are things that we've been called and told to do. Now, when Gordon Winham writes about his uh, in his commentary about this creation event, he says when we get to the point of cre- the creation of humans, it seems like the whole narrative begins to slow down pointing to the fact that this is the climax of creation. Uh, James Boyce points to creation of humans as the pinnacle of creation. From this point forward, the story of Genesis focuses on people who not only live in rebellion against their creator, but are also recipients of God's special love and redemption. God wants to live in relationship with us. God created us in his image, and we're called to reflect that image and to uh, sh- reveal what he's like to the rest of the world. Now, there uh, God looked at everything he had made at the end of Genesis 1, and he said, this is good. This is very good. When you get to Genesis chapter uh, 3, we find suddenly this sinister... Uh, creature shows up in the garden. This talking snake who's referred to as the ancient serpent, the devil. And the first words from his mouth were to question Eve on the reliability of God's Word. He questioned it, he uh, twisted it, and then he contradicted it. Those, that's a strategy our enemy has never forsaken. We need to be aware that we're in the middle of a spiritual war in our nation in so many ways, in our world in so many ways. And we need God to be our help and to give us direction on how we fulfill His Word and follow the Great Commission in light of all the circumstances that are going on in our culture. And then there's this question of gender. God not only created us, He created us male and female. Now men and women are different. Am I going too fast? Let me, let me say that again. Men and women are different. Not only are we different naturally uh, in the way that we're made to complement one another, but we're different in other ways too, in ways that we think about life and the way that we're nurturers and the way that we're leaders. Um, not that men and women can't uh, do both of those things, but we think differently about those issues. Our roles are different. But God created us male and female. Now that's unpopular and it's uh, politically incorrect today to even talk about such things. But our world was created binary, male and female. Now we have so many varieties of things that we call gender. And this whole gender dysphoria where people Uh, strongly desire to be a part of another, uh, of the other gender that they're not a part of, uh, is uh, something that's going on, applauded and celebrated by our culture. Um, How are Christians to react in the midst of this? Well, we're to love people and we're to try to point them to God. And if you're wrestling with issues and questions of gender today, I encourage you to seek out help here From our counselors from our campus ministries team from faculty and staff who will walk with you who will pray with you who will help you in addressing these issues and looking at them from a biblical perspective but the enemy wants to twist the truth and and you know if we make decisions i i've read stories of people who who made a decision to have a, a surgical procedure that changed their uh, sexuality physically and then a couple of years later decided that was a mistake and wanted to change it back. And there's some things that can't be undone and some things that can and they're very costly uh, and you know it, it, it's a danger to say well I feel like a woman today and but I feel like a man tomorrow and, and then what am I supposed to do in living in the middle of all that? Title IX began to protect females and athlete, female athletes so that women would have equal opportunity to compete. Now Title IX has been turned on its head to where we're affirming for men and women to participate together in the same sport because a man has chosen to be a female, at least for that period of time, that day or that season. Um, Men and women are different. Muscle mass is different. Uh, There are some ways that they can't compete uh, in the same sport as well. Uh, And so Title IX began to make sure that women had equal opportunity to be athletes. Uh, And now it looks like Title IX is gonna be the thing that may end Uh, distinction between male and female athletes. So we we have all these things that are going on, and God's Word speaks to that. God created us male and female. Uh, And so in conclusion today, I want to present the position that creation does matter. As a university that is unapologetically Christ-centered, biblically faithful, academically excellent, and mission-focused, North Greenville seeks to develop students who are transformational leaders for church and societies. And humans are designed to find purpose and meaning in knowing God and living out His purpose as a divine image-bearer. Yes, creation matters. Just to highlight ways that creation matters in conclusion here today that we've already talked about. You are created by God. He desires to live in relationship with you. The king of the universe, the one who made everything that is, the sovereign Lord, wants to have a relationship with you. Uh, You are created in his image. All of humanity has equal dignity and worth. You're created as male and female. Celebrate these differences and enjoy what God has created in us as men and women. You are accountable to the Creator. He is the one who made you. He is the one who brought everything into existence. He's above creation. He existed before creation began, and He will always exist. And then lastly, you were created with purpose to make a difference in our world as the Creator leads and guides you. Now would you bow your heads where you are uh, and, and take a moment just to pull away from everything around you and just to let God speak to you. Spend some time reflecting On creation. The sovereign God of the universe wants to assist you in discovering the origins of life, answering the question of identity, and lead you to discern His divine purpose for your life. Answering the big questions of life begins a personal relationship with the only God who made you. Would you recognize his authority in your life today? Are you willing to repent or turn away from your sins and turn to God asking for forgiveness and redemption, restoration? Will you receive Christ by faith as the second person of the Trinity, fully God and fully man? Do you believe Jesus died for you bearing the punishment you rightly deserved to set you free from the bondage of sin and to give you eternal life. Others who are listening in today are already believers, but some are struggling with sin issues. Uh, Some issues related maybe to racism or gender dysphoria or maybe it's some other kind of sin that I didn't even address today, like lust, selfishness, pride, rebellion against God or some other issue. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you of some sin in your life, repent of that sin, and by faith receive the precious forgiveness and restoration of the Lord. A third group of people who may be listening they are those that are wrestling with God's purpose for their lives. God is likely calling some of you to serve cross-cultural, uh, ca- cross-culturally as missionaries. Perhaps that may be just in your neighborhood because the world has come to us, or it may be among the nations around the world. Others are being called out to serve as pastors, youth pastors, worship leaders, in children's ministry, teachers, etc., music ministry. It seems that it is a a rare student these days that is responding to God's call to serve as a pastor, yet every church needs a pastor. Is God beginning to plant that desire in your life to shape you and to form you to lead a church, a local church as pastor? Are you willing to respond to God's call in your life? Like Jesus' disciples, are you willing to abandon everything for the sake of following Jesus? If God is calling you to respond to this message in any way, let us know by texting your response as instructed at the end of this video. May the creator and sustainer of all that exists direct your lives and comfort you in His presence and peace. To God and to God alone be the glory for His saving and enduring work in our lives. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for everybody that's gathered around a computer screen right now. uh, Watching, reflecting on, listening to what the Holy Spirit may be saying to them uh, through this message. Lord, I pray that you'd speak your truth to them in a way that only you can do. Lord, as you said, let there be light, and there was light. Lord, I pray that you would reach out and call people right now to saving faith in Christ to dealing with the sin issues in their lives. And some, Lord, to follow you as you are calling them to full-time Christian service uh, as pastors, as staff members, as missionaries. And Lord, that you just work in everybody's life the way you choose. Lord, for those who are hurting, for those who are having difficulty dealing with and making sense of the race issue in the middle of the cultural milieu in which we live. Lord, for those who are wrestling with gender issues, May you wrap your arms of love around them and help them to know they're not alone and they don't face this issue alone. And Lord, help us to know how to help them to embrace you and find their purpose, forgiveness, grace, and strength in you and in you alone. And Lord, may you get the glory for everything that happens because you alone deserve that. In your strong and holy name we pray. Amen.